0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. This
1: is a key for us. You can bring your questions to God. You can bring your complaints to Him and your, I don't understand this and that. You can do that, but at some point in time, you and I have to get really good at sitting down and being quiet. Just stop and listen. God, you're not answering me. You're not answering me. You're not answering me. Well, could you stop talking? That's my issue in my prayer life. God, this, blah, blah, blah,
0: blah, blah. And he's like, if you would just take a breath, maybe you could hear my voice. How easy is it for you to fill your prayer time with a long list of complaints and requests to God? Today, Pastor James is going to look at Habakkuk and how his prayer began the exact same way, but it ultimately led to worship. The Lord wants to hear your cries. He draws near to those that are hurting. There's no shame in bringing your pain to the throne of God. Even still, it's important for us to take time to hear our Father speak. May we remember to pause and listen for His voice in the midst of our prayer time. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: We're going to get right into the minor prophet book we're covering, which is Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you want to pronounce this dude's name. It probably doesn't matter all that much. Um, he's got a fun name, but he an even better letter from the Lord. This book, we're going to just cover all three chapters because it's essentially it's just one one letter that's written by this prophet named Habakkuk, which we don't know much about this guy at all, um, other than his name in the Hebrew would be spelled C-H-A-V-A-K-U-K. And that's a ha, you know, that's a fun, that pronunciation there. So you can utilize that. Uh, the Habakkuk uh, means to be embraced or wrestled. All right, so if you're wrestling, if you're a fan of pro-wrestling, you know there's a lot of embracing going on, okay? Uh, It's just how it works. Um, It's just you're embracing it, and technically his name would mean embrace, probably like embraced by God. But what he's going to do, his namesake here, is he's gonna help us to embrace God's wisdom in our lives. And even when things are happening in our lives that we don't understand, we can embrace the fact that God is in control. He's working. He's in control. And so that's what's so cool about this letter. It's, it's just beautiful. It's a dialogue between a prophet and God. He doesn't have like this prophetic message, like I'm delivering this to the people of Judah. I'm delivering this to the Assyrians or to the Babylonians. He's like, God gave me a vision when I was really struggling and I wrote it down. And he has preserved that vision in this book. And yes, there are prophetic elements to this, it is a dialogue between a prophet and God, and you probably can relate to what he goes through, okay? So the beautiful element to the Bible is that the individuals who are used to write it were not perfect, and they wrestled with the exact same thing that you and I wrestle with, okay? So let's look at this. Verse 1, uh, this message that the prophet Habakkuk Received in a vision, okay, or yours may say an oracle, but this is, this is what he saw. This isn't what he said, this is what he saw, okay? Verse two, here he goes. He just starts off with the complaint. You ever start off your prayer life with a complaint to God? <laughs> yes, you have. You don't even have to tell me, like, yes, you have, okay? How long, oh Lord, must I call for help? God, where are you? First four verses. God, where are you at? Where are you at? Do you not see the chaos we live in? Do you not see the trouble all around us? Where are you at? I mean, how long must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. And what was happening in Judah? We can go beyond Judah. We could say the whole entire nation of Israel. It was just evil. It was wickedness. You had a king who who had set things right in Josiah, but he has died, and now hit. a new king has risen up, and he's wicked. And here is Habakkuk, who's a prophet, and he's like, man, Lord, where are you at? Like, how is this okay? Are are you ever going to step in and do something about this? Like, do you not see, which it seems kind of an absurd question to be asking God, who sees all knows all, right? But it's real. What we're dealing with are real people in the word. So if you ever felt guilty about like, man, Lord, where are you? it's okay. God can handle all your questions. He can handle all your questions. He can handle your complaints. Now don't make that a habit, please. And if you do come with complaints, then the end of your prayer should be something like, Lord, I'm sorry. Okay. But it is okay for you to get stuff off your chest between you and the Lord. All right. So if you think you've got to pray in this King James only kind of dialogue of like, it has to be perfectly structured and it has to, that's not what Prayer is. Prayer, in one sense, it's reminding God of His promises. Of like, Lord, (laughs) you promised, like, I know we're bad, but man, your word says this, and I'm having a hard time right now because, God, I I just don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at. This term, violence, violence is everywhere. What's fascinating about that is that word violence is actually Hamas. The enemy is everywhere. It's everywhere. Praise God he responds to the prayers because he could have been like, look, dude, I dealt with whiners and complainers for 40 years and out of the wilderness, out of Egypt, right? Like I don't got time for whiners and complainers. No, God hears the heart cry of a prophet because this is his heart's cry. And the Lord replies in verse five, look around at the nations, look and be amazed for I am doing something in your own day. Something you wouldn't believe, even if somebody told you about it. That's a good verse. That's a really good word. Um, but here's the thing. You have to keep the context of that. Okay? Because that's a. have heard that verse quoted and everything, and it's like, man, yeah, God is, he is doing something in our day, something you wouldn't even believe, even if somebody told you about it. Yeah, what's he doing? I'm raising up an enemy army to come and take you over. You're like, whoa, well, hold on, like, well, I don't like that. Oh, but that's what he's doing. So context is king in all these stories, right? He says, man, look around, Habakkuk. Look around. I'm at work. You just don't realize it, but I'm at work. But here's how I'm working, buddy. I am staying true to my word. And I told you that if you guys veer off from my relationship with you, that I would send somebody in to take you captive. So yeah, I am staying true to my word. It's just a word that sometimes you guys don't like to hear. So the Lord's like, I'm raising up the Babylonians. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, Habakkuk. I'm on the move. And he's like, sweet, praise God. He's like, yeah, I'm sending the enemy to your nation right now. And he's like, well, hold on, because he's going to have an issue with that too, OK? <laughs> I love this about this man called it Habakkuk, right? Um, and this is written probably around anywhere from 606 BC up to 615 BC. This is right before the Babylonian army come in and lead them all captive, OK. This is why this is a prophecy, because God's given them a heads up of like, here's what's about to happen. And it literally was about to happen. But God's like, I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away like eagles. They swoop down and devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. And they simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone. But they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. So here's God's like, yeah, I'm at, I am at work, but here's the deal. You stop following me. And so now I'm going to be at work within the enemy and I'm going to use the enemy to come in and to correct you. And God's like, oh, and I know who the enemy is. I know what they're about. I know I can explain them better than they can explain themselves. And so then Habakkuk, who's having this vision, is like, well, hold on. Hold on, God, because I have an issue with that. I have a problem with that. And here's his, his second complaint towards the Lord, his issue towards the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. Oh, Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, which they did have many sins, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? He's like, hold on, God. Like, I know we're bad, but they're really bad. Like, we're bad, but those dudes are really, really bad. So you're telling me that you're going to use somebody who is worse than us to correct us? Because that doesn't add up to me, Lord. Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, is what they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquest? He's like, God, um, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't see how you can be just in using a wicked nation to correct us who are your children, who are your kids, when, yeah, I know we're bad, but we're not that bad. God's going to clarify. He's going to reply back. And this is what's so beautiful about this dialogue, because Habakkuk brings his problem to the Lord. The Lord answers him, not in the way that he thought he was going to, but he answers him. And then Habakkuk's like, oh, I don't really agree with that. Okay? And let me tell you this. Uh, If you haven't learned this yet, you will. Uh, God always wins in our arguments, in our dialogues. and He just wins. He is infinitely wiser than all of us collectively. He sees the beginning from the end. And he knows, and he is true to his word. So if prayer is, it's kind of reminding God of like, this is what you've said. And God's like, I know, but do you remember all of what I said? Do you remember when I brought you into this land that you're supposed to give this land rest? And I'm going to add up all those years that you didn't give my land rest, and I will remove you from my land for that length of time so that my land can rest and recover, because I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who gave you this land. I'm the one who set the rules. You agreed to follow the rules. And if you don't want to follow the rules, I will enforce the rules. And I can use anybody on this planet to come in so that my word gets honored. So that my word gets honored. Babylonians were like, we'll do it. <laughs> They're like, we're in? Like, yeah, conquering the other people. We're all about that. And they just, the Babylonians just kind of broke free from Assyria and, and they, they were just on the rampage. They were on the, the war spree, man. They were going around and they were decimating everybody. And, and Habakkuk's like, uh, how can you allow that to happen? He goes on, verse 1 of chapter 2. This is Habakkuk. He says, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Okay? So Habakkuk's, the end of that is like, as he brings his question to God, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to wait and I'm going to watch. And I'm going to just listen for God's response. This is a key for us. You can bring your questions to God, You can bring your complaints to him and your, I don't understand this and that. You can do that. But at some point in time, you and I have to get really good at sitting down and being quiet. Just stop and listen. God, you're not answering me. You're not answering me. You're not answering me. Well, could you stop talking? That's my issue in my prayer life. God, this, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, if you would just take a breath, maybe you could hear my voice. Just stop. Stop just climb onto the watchtower, not the Jehovah's Witness thing, because that's bad, <laughs> right? But like the guard post, set up camp and just, I'm going to watch with confidence, with expectation, that he will answer me, that he will answer me. God, I don't understand this. And I heard your, your reply back to me that you are on the move. But man, now I really don't understand that. But you know what? I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to sit, and I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to watch. God can handle all your questions, all your questions. And here's his reply back to Habakkuk. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. I love that. So that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Write it in stone. Isn't it funny? And isn't it amazing? You guys ever play the telephone game when you're a kid? The message starts here, and then it filters down the line. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, I I didn't say that at all. Like, what in the world? Like, this is sometimes the issue. The Lord's like, write my word down in stone. In stone. So there's no question about what I said. Write it in concrete. So there's no question. So that when the message gets to this person, it isn't convoluted. It isn't like, well, I think he was kind of trying to say this, so I'm going to reword it to that. No, no, it's written in stone. This is what he said. This is what he meant, okay? In the good biblical practice of inductive Bible study, which I love to do, I do that once a year. I go through a class of inductive Bible study. I've taken it, I don't know how many times now, but I want to get better at learning how to study the Word of God, okay? I've been doing this for 20 years. I want to get better at this. That's my goal. And I know this, there are many observations, there are many applications, there is only ever one interpretation, okay? Only ever one. It's not like, well, I see this, to me, this kind of means this. No. What does it mean concerning the word of God? What did he mean by it? I don't care what I think it says. What did he mean? And The Lord's like, write it in stone so there's no confusion. This is what it is. So you get the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait, it will not be delayed. The Lord's like, you can bank on it. If I say this is going to happen, if I say this is going to happen pretty soon, guess what? It's going to happen pretty soon. So there's, there's no issues. And we get impatient, especially in the day and age in which we live where everything is so instantaneous. Like, I mean, I get, we get frustrated in the drive through, right? Of, like, where's my food that's gonna kill me slowly, right? Like, yeah, let's hurry this, let's speed this up, right? Like, slow down, slow down. And the Lord is, He is never in a hurry. The visions for a future time, it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. Wait patiently, for it will surely take place, it will not be delayed. Verse four, he says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God or the just shall live by faith. That verse alone started the Reformation. That verse alone messed up Martin Luther. Okay, because he saw that in Romans 1. And he's like, what in the world? He's like, I've gotten this thing all wrong for so long. Because we know in Romans 1, 17, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk is, he's never mentioned. His name is never mentioned, but he has one verse that is repeated three times in the New Testament. And it's the same verse. So in Romans, the whole book is about the just. In Galatians 3.11, it's, Referenced again, but its focus in that book is shall live. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, it's all leading you into chapter 11, which is by faith. So you got Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, the just shall live by faith. This one little verse, little dude, Habakkuk, we can't even pronounce his name right anymore. But here he is, he's like, I got this vision. And in the middle of that vision, God dropped a diamond in my lap that should forever change the way we live our lives, the righteous, the just. And if you are in Christ, you are covered by his blood. It's his righteousness that has been given to you, and we live by faith. We live by faith, not blind faith. We live by faith, a faith that is anchored in Jesus. It's anchored in him. The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. It's just another way of phrasing that. Verse 5, he says, Wealth is treacherous. The arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouth as wide as the grave, and like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many people. But soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them, saying, What sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You have become rich by extortion, but how much longer can this go on? Suddenly, your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have while you stand trembling and helpless. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. Here's a handful of woes, okay, as we're going to go into this. But this is the Lord just saying like, hey, look, Habakkuk. Here's what's going to happen, dude. Um, I'm sending the enemy into your country because the enemy is going to correct you, so to speak. But he has no authority. He can't do it on his own unless I give him permission, the Babylonians' permission to come in to do this. But I'm going to allow them to do that because, well, you need a spanking, right? Like, that's just it. You've been naughty, and so now it's time for me to correct you because I love you, but don't worry about them because I'm going to squash them. As big and as bad as they think they are, they don't stand a chance against me. So... Yeah, I can use whoever I want to discipline you, but I still love you, and I'm not done with you. And I'm not done with you. He says, that verse 9, this is the beginning of the woes, or New Living Translation says, what sorrow awaits you who build big houses with money gained dishonestly. You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest above the reach of danger. But by the murderers you committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls cry out against you, and the beams in the ceilings echo the complaint. Woe, or what sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption. Has not the Lord of heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with An awareness or a knowledge of the glory of God. He's like, your money can't save you. This stuff, you can't save you. Doesn't stand a chance because the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Last woe here. Woe or what sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk. You force your cup on them so that you can gloat over their shameful nakedness. But soon it will be your turn to be disgraced. Come, drink, and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forest of Lebanon. Now you will be cut down. You destroyed the wild animals, so now their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What good is an idol carved by man or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a God that can't even talk. What sorrow, woe awaits you who say to wooden idols, wake up and save us, right? It seems silly, right? This is all absurdity is what God is saying. Like your house and all your stuff, that's not gonna do you any good. You're making all these idols and then you're crying out to these wooden images that you carved saying like, please save me, please rescue me. Says to speechless stone images, you say, rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But, verse 20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. So God's like, look, I'm going to use these dudes, but they don't stand a chance. They don't stand a chance.
2: Oh. Oh.
0: Compassionate and loving are just a few descriptions of God. Did you know that in the Minor Prophets, He's also described as just? Israel and Judah thumbed their noses at God by making Him unimportant in their lives. They gave into their own desires, did what they wanted, and despaired in tough situations. All of this caused them to forget God as their protector and provider. Why is it so easy to do those things that, in the long run, aren't good for us? More than I care to admit, I see myself doing those same things, over and over. God was patient with them, and He's patient with me. But there comes a point when a reality check is needed. Jesus draws the line between white and black, wrong and right, judging actions and motives. Thankfully, He doesn't leave us in that rotten state. He offers us forgiveness and hope. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Each message professed by the prophets reveals his abundant patience, his faithfulness, and also his justice. If you missed one or more of these teachings, I encourage you to go back and listen to them again at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Listen tab. We'd love for you to come join us each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Our prayer is that you're encouraged and rest in the confidence that Jesus will right every wrong. Be sure to tune in next time as Pastor James continues here on Bread for the Broken.
2: Interrupt you.